What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Cole Burks here at Hope Unlimited Church. I have a message for you today, and I pray that it would send you uh, in peace, it would send you in joy, and that you would be just overcome with the presence of God, and I pray that this would uplift you in every way. Um, send this to somebody that you may think that needs it after you give it a listen, and I will see you at the end of this message. Amen. Y'all guys, y'all can sit down. Well, how is, you're good, Jake. Appreciate you. How's everybody doing today? Um, super excited to be here. It's been a hot minute since I've stood behind the pulpit, so y'all gonna have to show me a little grace. It was funny, actually, uh, when Cole and I started to talk about me preaching, which he didn't ask me to preach. He told me to have something ready. He told me to preach because I, I didn't want to, but I said, yes, sir. Uh, when, when, we, when we started talking about like me starting to preach, I kind of got a little nervous, you know, because used to, I had all kind of back pocket sermons that I could just whip out and preach anytime I wanted to, but the thing is now is I don't believe them anymore, um, which is good, which is good, you know, um, but y'all will have to, uh, give me a little grace. I've been sick all week and my, I've got a bunch of junk in my throat. Um, I want to give some honor to Cole because it's, it's, it's one of the greatest honors of my life to get to run next to you, man. And how you have handled what you've been handed is fantastic. Yes. It's phenomenal. Yes. And you do, you do an amazing job yes. at what you do. Yes. Uh, and it is, it's such a great honor for me, man, to get to know you. And the fact that you are brave enough to let me get up here with a microphone, <laughs> I commend you. Uh, also have to give some honor to St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, let me tell y'all something. Y'all, <laughs> Kelby would not exist if it were not for Tom. I w for sure wouldn't be standing behind this pulpit right now. Wouldn't be living in Knoxville. Wouldn't be married to that beautiful woman sitting over there. Yeah, um. Tom is, Tom is a treasure that no amount of money can buy you. And so if y'all want my advice, get connected to that man. Because I, I don't have words. Yeah, I would take hell on with a bucket of sand if he told me to. And I mean that. All right, man. And real quick, I got my aunt and my mom with me that... <clears throat> traveled from the other side of Tennessee, the not as pretty side of Tennessee. And they've probably already heard everything I'm going to say, but they drove five and a half hours to hear it again. So I'm glad. I could get up here. I told Lauren last night, I could get up here and say four words and absolutely freeze. And Mama tell me I did a good job. <laughs> I'd go play ball and knowing that I didn't play a good game and I knew what was coming from her. You did so good. Is this echoing real bad? Okay. 
And last but not least, my smoking hot wife. So listen, I grew up Southern Baptist, like hardcore Southern Baptist. And I remember going to the church camps and, and like the, uh, you know, the conferences where they try to be cool. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They try to be cool. And so one thing that the preachers would always do is they would get up there and talk about their smoking hot wife. And everybody's like, oh. You know, because if you said that about anybody else, you'd drop straight into hell. You can't use that language. But you can if you're married to them. And this, this is the first time I've preached since I've been married. So smoking hot wife. <laughs> Amen. Well, guys, um, I got too much stuff up here. I don't, what I want to do today, I don't want to necessarily like, like exegetically teach to you, meaning I don't want to take the story that I'm about to tell you and say, when Jesus says this or when Jesus does this, this is what this means. I don't want to do that. We have plenty of good preachers that are good at doing that. But what I want to do is I want to give you a glimpse into some of my history with the Lord. Does that make sense? Like, I want to take a story in Scripture that the Lord has used, I mean, numerous times in my life, and I want to get you a glimpse of that. So, um, <clears throat> y'all pray for me, because I'm going to be talking uh, kind of abstract, and I'm going to try to do the work to make you understand what I mean when I say things, because this is the language that God has spoken to me. Y'all remember when Cole talked about he speaks uh, Beckham's language because he's a good father? I want to try to show y'all how the good father speaks my language, if that makes sense. So y'all pray that I don't forget anything. <laughs> you know, uh, there's three signs that tells you when you're getting old. And the first one, you talking about how good you can remember stuff? The first sign that tells you when you're getting old is you can't remember nothing. You forget everything. And uh, I done forgot the other two. <laughs> I had to throw a joke in there. So grab your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 14 with me. Y'all... <laughs> Y'all pray for me. Matthew 14, I'm going to start in verse 22. Um, <clears throat> Jesus walking on the water. I'm going to start in verse 22. And it starts like this. It says, as soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat and to go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. After the crowds dispersed, this is right after... He fed the multitude. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray, and as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. But the disciples, who were now in the middle of the lake, ran into trouble, for their boat was tossed about by the high winds and heavy seas. Watch this. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the waves. He came to them walking on top of their problem. He came to them walking on top of the storm that they're in. 
When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, It's a ghost. Then Jesus said, Be brave and do not be afraid. I am here. And Peter shouted out, Lord, if it really is you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he uh, realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? And the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased. Then all of the disciples crouched down before him and worshipped Jesus. They said in adoration, Truly you are the Son of God. <clears throat> it feels like I'm getting an echo. What does that mean? Can you hear me now? <laughs> so, that was really loud. <laughs> um, so, I like how we just read right over the fact that Peter walked on water and Jesus called his faith little. Like, I mean, I don't have some deep revelation. I just want to point that out. Because there's sometimes I'm thinking, you know, my face in pretty good shape, but I ain't ever walked on no water. And Jesus called it little. Let's pray real quick. Father, I love you. We love you. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about perspective. Perspective. Perspective is everything. The way that you see determines what your life will look like. Perspective. And I feel like God, what he wants to do today is swap perspectives with us. Perspective is everything. And the thing is, we don't see like God sees. Right? We see a shepherd and he sees a king. We see the size of a mustard seed, and he sees enough to move a mountain. We see a raging storm, and he sees a good place to go for a walk. Jesus sees his perspective is different than ours, and your perspective is everything. The thing about God is he's not reactionary. God does not react to evil. Bill Johnson says it like this. Jesus didn't react to the devil, but he responded to the Father. He's not reacted. He's not sitting up there on the throne, and when something bad happens, he's thinking, what am I going to do about this? He's not freaking out. Listen to him. Like, hear that. And hear that in the context of your current storm that you're in, if you're in one. He's not freaking out. He's not in a hurry. He's actually in a good mood. He doesn't react to evil. He responds. And the thing about it, it's funny, the other night, uh, Lauren and I were talking because I was preparing my sermon. I had four months, and <laughs> I did it last week. But anyways, we were talking, and we were talking about some of the 
things about like God's perspective. Like, Lord, how do you see things? And what's funny, I wasn't going to share this, but I feel like I'm supposed to because the Lord dropped this in my spirit just out of nowhere while me and her were talking. And he said this. He said, I'm the God who waits. And I'm like, that's good. What does that got to do with perspective, you know? But then it hit me. Like the question, where, where is God? Like we talked about earlier. Where were you? The thing is this. God waits because he has the perspective that he has. The Bible says that he sees the end from the beginning. And, he started, and I started thinking, if God doesn't wait, we never find out who Lazarus is. You know what I'm saying? If God doesn't wait, even... Even like in this story right here, okay, the Bible says, as night fell, he went up on the mountain to pray, right? As night fell, he went up. So it's still evening, and night began to fall. He goes up to the mountain. Then it says that he sees them out there struggling with a storm, and then it says at about four in the morning, he goes to them. There's some time missing there. And and the, the trip across the Sea of Galilee to the to Gennesaret, which is where they went, the land of the Gerasenes, the, the, that would take two hours. I know that because I Googled it by boat. It'd take two hours to get across from where they were to uh, the Gennesaret. And so, like, he's just sitting up there watching them. I wonder what's going through his mind. And it's because he doesn't react. And it's because he has the perspective that we don't know about. Because if he doesn't wait, we don't know that he can walk on water. He's the God who waits. Perspective is everything, guys. Perspective is everything. When, how do I do this? Mike, Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle says this. Pride is simply disagreement with God's perspective. So, so let me tell myself a little bit. I grew up Southern Baptist, so I, I grew up thinking a certain way about God, and I took it to the extreme. Okay, so my thing is this. I thought I was just a sinful piece of trash, and God was mad at me all the time, and, and just beating myself up constantly, and I called it humility. And then I started finding out that I'm actually the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm loved. I'm a son of God. And what I used to call humility is actually pride because it's disagreeing with his perspective. He has a different perspective. You know, uh, the Bible, when Jesus says that if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I love to mess with my friends that that read scripture literally. Bible means what it says. Right? Bible speaks plain. But ain't none of them wearing an eye patch. You know what I'm saying? But he's, he says if your eye offends you, pluck it out. The word I here is ophthalmos in the Greek. Ophthalmos. That mean, and it literally means this, your mental vision. So it means, it's talking about your mind's eye, the way that you see. It's your perspective that he's talking about. And what he's saying is this, if there is a perspective in you 
that is causing you to sin, pluck it out. The, the, the same word in Matthew chapter 6 when he talks about if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light, it's ophthalmos. If your perspective is clear, then your whole body will be full of light. I feel like a lot of our problems are perspective problems. And I want to submit the thought to you today that God wants to swap perspectives with us. He wants to take us from how we see things to how he sees things. And I use this story because the boat in my life has represented, remember I'm I'm talking about how he spoke to me, the boat in my life has been my perspective. And ain't nothing ever looks right when you stay in the boat. He'll always, what did they think he was when he first came to them? He'll always look like something scary that wants to harm you when you stay in the boat. And the thing is, we all want to walk on water, but ain't none of us want to get out the boat. And I feel like that's what God's wanting to do today. He's wanting us to get out of the boat. See, it's funny. In the Old Testament, Noah builds a boat to keep safe from the storm. And in the New Testament, Jesus goes out into the storm and calls us to follow him. And before you say anything, I know there's a story in Mark Mark 4 where he's just sleeping in the boat. And I'm going to talk about that. But what I want to submit to you is the boat is your perspective. And if you stay in the boat, you'll never see anything right. You'll see the storm You'll see the mountains, you'll see the valleys or the dry seasons or whatever it is. You'll constantly be focused on those things. But the moment we decide to lay down the way that I see things so that I might inherit the way that he sees things, the guy that that sees the end from the beginning is wanting to swap perspectives with you. You know what I'm saying? So the boat is your perspective. It is your belief system it's your way of seeing the world right that's what the boat is and i feel like god the call today is to get out of the boat amen i tell you what has i've noticed in me is i have built my boat and most of the time it's on a subconscious level are y'all thinking or have i lost you (laughs) The boat is something that you build. And you're under the false pretense that this will keep me safe when it comes time for a storm. And we take our beliefs, I mean, our beliefs that have been handed to us, our beliefs that, that we, you know, grab hold to, and we, we take our life experiences, and that makes up how we see the things that we see. See, the thing is, you don't see you don't see see it as it is. You don't see it as it is. You see it as you are. You don't see the world as it is. You see it as you are. That's why two different, completely, uh, completely different people can read the same exact Bible, and one of them come away with a beautiful picture of a loving God, and the other one can come away with a... I mean, just a mad... I got to watch. <laughs> mad... 
uh, frustrated, fly-off-the-handle, hateful God. And that is not a reflection of what's in here. It's a reflection of what's in here. It's, I saw something on Facebook that said, Scripture is the reflection of you. It's huge. And these are our boats that we build. And the way that it's formed, the way that it's formed is through life experiences, through um, a bunch of different things. And the thing, thing like that it happened in me was like this. Because I was raised the way that I was, and because I was actually hungry for God as a kid, wanting to know more about him, but I had some messed up beliefs about him because they were handed to me. And what I did was this. So I would find myself in the middle of a storm. And do y'all know what I mean by storms? Like just, does that make sense? Like issues problems, whatever you want to call it, mountains. That's, that's what I'm talking about when I say storm. But what would happen is I would find myself in a storm and I would, I would, I would understand, okay, he hasn't calmed it yet and is, he doesn't feel like he's with me, so he must have sent it. You see what I'm saying? My experience based on my belief system that I already had created my boat, so now God sends storms. But I don't believe he does. I believe he walks on top of them. <laughs> so that's how the boat is formed. And something beautiful about the goodness of God is that he is perfect at meeting us where we are and calling us deeper. How many of you know he always wants you to go deeper? You could spend a thousand lifetimes and never reach the end of him. He's the most beautiful thing. He, he, he's, listen, when you see how big he is, there will be no such thing as a mountain. What the Lord does is in his encounters, and I hope this makes sense. I hope this makes sense. But have y'all ever got touched by God, and, you're, and it's so beautiful, and it's so real, and you're so thankful for it, and you love it, and you're so satisfied, but at the same time, you're, you're unsatisfied. Like there's just that deep thing that's like, man, I want some more. God, I'm thankful for what you've done. I'm thankful for this, but I want more of it. It's this, it's this holy discontentment that is in each of his touches. And this is what the Lord has taught me. That discontentment is there to show me always that there's more. Because the temptation is when the storm hits to grab the boat and try to use my, the way that I see things to steady me. And that holy discontentment is just knocking. See, the Lord puts an itch inside of each encounter that only he can scratch. And I want to tell you this, he's faithful to scratch it every time. We just have to get out of the boat. That this holy discontentment is just a fresh invitation each time you encounter him to lay it all down all over again. I, so, so something that happened to me, I got to hurry. So something that happened to me in 2018, the Lord spoke something to me and it changed my life. He says this. He says, I want you to put it all on the table. Now you have to understand something. I've done graduated from Bible college. I've done left 
a job. I've done moved, done moved back. I left a situation where I had a ring picked out with another girl, and my God, I'm glad I left that. You know, like I, 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 I had... I had multiple chances to go play basketball in college. Let me tell y'all something. I will break your ankles. <laughs> I, just, I just want y'all to know that. Uh, and if you don't believe me, just ask Pastor Casey. He, he'll confirm that. Uh, I hope he's watching. <clears throat> but my thinking was this. Lord, I've already put it all on the table. Like, what you, you know, what you mean? And I thought, and when he said that, he's talking about behavior and lifestyles, but what he was really talking about was my beliefs, which are a lot harder to put on the table. Okay, I can stop watching something, but changing something in here is, is different. And so what happens and what it looked like and what that holy discontentment does is there to constantly keep our hands loose when we think that we found a truth. Listen, when you think you've discovered a truth, hold it gently and humbly because it just might work out that you might be wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, <clears throat> the, those, those, those unsatisfiedness, that unsatisfiedness is there to keep our hands loose because, and what happens a lot of time and what's happened in my life a lot of times is I would come up on a storm and my boat would rock and instead of me seeing Jesus in the middle of it calling me to him, I would grab more tightly to the boat and then I would pray this, God, you've got to do something about this storm. I would ask him to come to me in my boat when the whole time he's asking me to leave it and come to him. I, I, can, just, I can just imagine the disciples, and I, I just wonder if they're thinking about the last time they were in a storm. Man, I wish he was in here sleeping with us. I wish he would come take care of this storm. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Is this making sense? God, I wish he was here again like he was last time. And we want Jesus to come to us instead of us going to him. Let's talk about scripture, the difference in people that Jesus touched and the ones that touched Jesus. See, Bartimaeus got a new set of eyes, but Thomas got made whole. The man with the withered hand got a new hand, but the woman with the issue of blood, she got made whole. The nine lepers that got cleansed of leprosy got they don't have leprosy anymore, but the one that came back to saw fit to praise him, he got made whole. And so many times we want him to come to our boat to fix our problem, and he's calling us to the place that you can walk on top of it. Listen, him having to come to you. Let, let me say it like this. When when you go to him, something happens that does not happen when he comes to you. And I'll prove it. You want to throw that scripture up in Mark? So the first story in scripture of they're in a storm and they're asleep at the bottom of the boat. Yeah. I was, I was hoping I gave you the right one. The first storm that they're in, this is what's happening. He's asleep in the bottom of the boat. They're in the middle of the storm. He wakes up, 
tells them they have little faith and calms the storm. And this is the last part of the first story. Who is this man that even the wind and waves obey him? And the end of this story, when Jesus goes out into the storm outside of our boat and calls us to him, when they see him out there, the end of this story, the disciples look at him and say, truly you are the son of God. Does that make sense? Like there's something that you learn about who he is when you leave the boat that doesn't happen when you want him to come. Because in reality, when you're in the boat, all the storms is all you see. You will live your life according to storms. And your storms will tell you when you get to go to bed at night. And they'll tell you where you get to spend your money. And they'll tell you how to think. And they'll tell you how to live. And the next thing you know, something you don't even want has become God in your life. Did you know that something you don't want can become God in your life? Because God is whatever you make supreme. That means whatever is up here the most. Whatever you think about, whatever you talk about, that's what your God is, technically. And listen, something that Stephen taught me, something that Stephen taught me, yesterday was Stephen's birthday. Everybody tell him happy birthday. Okay. Um, Stephen, Stephen taught me something. He might not even remember this, but I'll never forget this. I had Stephen as an RSM teacher my first year. And he says this. He says, you become what you behold. I'll never forget when he said that because that's so true. And we, I have so many people that have beheld storms their entire life. And do you know what they are in the lives of other people? Storms. Because you become what you behold. Now behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The, the taking away of the sin you actually are awakened to when you behold him. And see, the, so the storms can actually be what disciples you. And Jesus is calling us to the place that requires, think about this, he's walking on water, 100% trust. Every single step the only way that I can take it is because he's right there calling me. 100% trust. When storms dominate your life, what's funny, what's funny is, is Jesus came to the disciples to show them all that you're freaking out about right now, I can walk on top of. And I want to submit this thought to you, and I'll be done. The, the fact when you can walk on top of your storms, you'll start to calm the storm in other people. Because they'll see something they've never seen before. He's calling us to get out of the boat of the way that we see, of the way that we think, and constantly be trading the way he sees things compared to the way we see things. Y'all go ahead and stand up.
I want to say something that I feel like the Lord's telling me to say. This whole following Jesus thing, you can't just take him and put him on top of everything else that you've already got going on. Can y'all hear me? When you try to decide, I've got my life planned out. I've got everything worked out. I know what I'm going to do. I know where I'm going to go to school. I know everything. I've already got it planned out. And when you just try to take all this stuff that we're talking about and put it on top of this, listen, you're setting yourself up to be miserable the rest of your life. There has to be a moment in you where you say, I belong to you. I will, follow, I will pick up my cross, deny myself, and I will follow you wherever you go. And, it's, and, it, and the hard part is, even when he's walking on water, even when he's walking in, see, you, you don't need to make him a priority when he's supposed to be an obsession. Man, he's, it's not just God first, family next, church next. Man, he's got to be the center of everything that you do. This, he has to sit right here and everything flow out of him. Don't just try to add him to your life. Follow him wherever he goes. Let's lift our hands up. I want to I pray for us, then we'll get out of here. <laughs> Father, um, we honor you in this place today. We're so thankful that you don't leave us alone. We're so thankful that you're constantly calling us higher to the place that you're at so that we might see how you see. Father, I ask today that you would give us the grace to step out of our boats. I pray that you would give us the grace to follow you no matter where you go. Give us the grace to hold our perspective with loose hands and let us trust you in everything. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with the story that you're writing that is us. And so, Lord, just give us the grace in whatever way it looks like in our life to step out of that boat. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you give it up for Kelby this morning? I had a thought when he was preaching. All this is, is an, it's an exchange of, it's an exchange of your mind for his. The Bible actually says this. It says you have the mind of Christ. You actually have his mind already. But there is a moment when you are awakened to his perspective that lets you think like he thinks and lets you see things the way that he sees things. Because, because if, you, if you continue, as Kelby was saying, to hold on to your boat, your perspective, to sit in, in the, the world that you've created in your own mind, that'll be all you ever have. That'll be all you ever have. And you'll never experience the life in God that you're called to experience. And if you sit in the boat that a lot of us were handed, a lot of us were given, then you'll believe lies about yourself for the rest of your life. And you'll believe something about God that isn't true. 
and you'll believe something about yourself that's not true. But you have the mind of Christ, and it's trading your boat for His this morning. One more time, I want us to lift our hands all together. Father, we trade our boats for yours this morning. We trade our eyes to see for your eyes to see. We trade our mind for yours. God, any thoughts that we have in our mind that you don't think about us, Lord, we give those in to you this morning. We let you have those. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, they're going to be down here for prayer. If you need prayer, come on down to the front and get with uh, Miss Jean or Tom. If not, we will see you Wednesday night. Be sure you sign up for a community group when you leave today. Uh, if you need to pray or stay for worship, feel free to do so. We love you guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Um, I hope that this encouraged you. I hope that it uplifts you. And I pray that um, you go ahead and send it over to somebody that you think needs it right now. Um, if you would like to give to Hope Unlimited Church in any way, uh, you can go on our website, you can give there, or you can text any amount to 84321. We love you, and I hope to see you in person here at Hope Unlimited soon.